So wonderful to see you here this morning. If you missed Sunday school, we had a wonderful Sunday school class. Ethan, Ethan taught, and we're going through the Psalms. He taught on, taught on Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. It was a wonderful, uh, wonderful lesson. I just encourage you to be part of Sunday school. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. going to read one verse here starting this morning. Mark chapter 5 verse 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? This is what we're going to talk about this morning. This one scripture, this one thought here this morning, just to, to let you know, there's an account given in three of the four Gospels of this incident. This was a man, there was a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And he had only one child, and that child was a 12-year-old daughter, and his daughter was at home at the point of death. Not just sick, but at the point of death. And so Jairus comes with some servants in beseeching the Lord to come and heal his daughter. He had faith to believe that Jesus could heal his daughter, and he called upon the Lord to do so. I'll just read this. While he had spake these things unto them, behold, there, there came, this is uh, Matthew's account, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, my daughter is even now dead. So she was at the point of death. She was at the point of death. But come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And so this is an account, as I said, in three of the four Gospels. Luke records, and this is important, I think, for our, our message this morning. Luke records that just prior to this, Jesus had cast out the demons or delivered the demon-possessed man in Gadara when, Jesus besought him, when Jairus besought him to come heal his daughter. So I just want to get you a little timeline of what's going on in the life of Jesus Christ he just cast the demons out of the man in Gadara and came back over. And when he's there, uh, Jairus comes running up to him and says, would you come and heal my daughter? She's at the point of death. She's my only child. And as he's going, Jesus, without hesitation, it says, arose and followed, and so did his disciples. And as he went, it says that a group of people, or a crowd of people thronged him. That's what the King James says. A crowd of people thronged him. Okay. And in the midst of that throng of people, there was a woman diseased with an issue of blood for 12 years. And she said, if I, can, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And she pressed through and she touched the hem of his garment and was healed. Jesus goes on, giving you the end of the story at the beginning, and raises the daughter. By the time he gets there, she's dead. He raises the daughter from the dead. And as soon as he leaves there and departs from the house, two blind men came up to him. I want to read this as well. And when he departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. 
Then he leaves there from healing the two blind men. It says they went out from that house. And as they went, went out, behold, they brought unto him a dumb man possessed with the devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. This is just in a matter of moments. He's cast out the devils of the man, demon possessed, that lived in the tombs. He comes back. A crowd throngs him. Jairus is, uh, is saying, come heal my daughter. She's at the point of death. A woman with the issue of blood says, if I can touch the hem of his garment. And she does, and she's healed. He raises Jairus' daughter, heals two blind men, and casts the demons out of a, a man that was, uh, couldn't speak or hear. And he could speak and hear. The Bible says, Jesus said in John, in chapter 5, Jesus said, my father worketh hitherto, and I work. The Lord went about doing good, okay? He did not come uh, for any pleasure cruise. He did not come to this earth to be served, even as the Son of God came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for all. He came and he worked. He worked. And uh, he says, my father works hitherto, and I work. Now, I want to answer this question, because what we opened with was this. So, so Jesus is going with Jairus and his disciples. They press through the crowd, and he's going to make it to Jairus' house. But on the way, at some point, the servants of Jairus came to him and says, said to him, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? I just wanted to sink in that, that one thought. There's a lot of things could be preached and taught on what we're talking about this morning. But this is the thought that the Lord has given me. Why troublest thou the master any further? Basically, your daughter is dead. Let's not bother Jesus anymore. He's got other things to do. He's a busy man. He's an important man. He's got more important things to do. And it's pointless now because your daughter is dead. And we all may have circumstances in our lives, times in our lives as believers that know Jesus Christ. And we, think, we may think, I prayed about this a long time and gotten no answer. We might think the situation has gotten so grave and dark and, and, and so dire. And we say, what's the point of bothering Jesus anymore in prayer and calling out to the Lord anymore? What's the point? And we have that thought sometimes. Why troublest thou the master any further and it's a question they're 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 saying your daughter's dead and it's almost like a, a period there but there's not why trouble is why are you going to bother jesus anymore why trouble you the master anymore and i want to give two reasons because i believe the bible answers this there's a there's an answer to that question why trouble thou the master any further there are two good reasons and you probably could find more there's two that i in my, my train of thought that the Lord has given me. Number one, why trouble thou the master any further? Well, because God answers prayer. You keep troubling him, if you want to call it that. You keep calling upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is it okay and why should, con why should we? I continue to trouble the master? This situation is so far gone. This relationship is so far in the tank. This Whatever it is, our country is so far gone. It is gone. But the Lord's the only one who can bring it back, and he can bring it back. Amen? Why trouble thou the master any further? Well, reason number one, you can put them whatever order you want, is because our God answers prayers. Plain and simply, you keep troubling the Lord, so to speak. Our God always moves 
on behalf of his people. It may not be exactly when we want it, like a song we used to sing, but it'd be there right on time. Amen? He's coming. You keep troubling the Lord, so to speak. We find favor. The glory, why should I trouble the master any further? That means I've already, in my estimation, troubled him a lot. Why should I trouble him any further? And that would be because of the glorious results that come from our God to us. The favor that we obtain, the mercy that we obtain, the healings that we obtain, our dead raised to life that we obtain. By faith, amen? Bible says in Hebrews, by faith, that great chapter 11, a hall of fame of faith that is spoken of, it says women receive their dead to life again. How? By faith. We keep troubling the masters. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it, the elders did what? Obtained a good report. They got something. For their faith. I'm not saying it's selfishness. I'm saying we ask any good thing in the Lord. But keep on and be persistent in prayer. That is taught in the word of God. Keep coming to God and keep calling for God to come to you. Amen? Because of the glorious results that we receive when we come to the Lord. And so in Luke 7, 22, I told you about it, but I wanted to read it. Then Jesus answering said unto them, go your way. And uh this, this is when John the Baptist, since he was in prison, Herod had, had him imprisoned. And John the Baptist uh, sent some of his disciples and servants to the Lord and say he was doubting. He was, he was struggling. He knew, but he doubted. You ever been there before? I know with all my heart that Jesus is the way. I'm not turning away. And then there's moments of doubt and shadows of doubt based on circumstances, based on situations. John was a human being. Among those born of women, there's no greater prophet, Jesus said. He's in heaven today. But he had this moment where he questioned because he was in prison and things weren't turning out like he thought they would and how they, he expected him to do. So he sent some, some servants to Jesus and said, uh, ask, ask Jesus, are you he that should come or do we look for another? He already knew the answer. He's the one that proclaimed the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And yet he's having, having a moment. He's a human being. We have moments of doubt. We don't want to live there, but we do have those moments. And Jesus said, answer to those disciples, you go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, uh, and to the poor the gospel is preached. What's the point of that? The point is saying, why do we trouble the master any further? Because this is the God that we serve may not be exactly when you and I wanted it, but that is the God that we serve. And there's no other besides him. He stands alone. He's that God, and he calls us to call upon him. And so we call upon the Lord, and we see the glorious results by, by being steadfast and calling upon Jesus. Secondly, why trouble the master any further? I said you can put these in any order you want. First, that he answers prayer and the glorious results. Second, we're going to spend most of our time on this this morning. It's not a trouble to the Lord. It's not a trouble to the Lord. Why trouble thou the master any further? And it's almost like you could say, Jesus, it's not a trouble to me. It's not a trouble. I understand what you're thinking and what you're saying, but I want you to know, and I want men to know, it's not a bother to me. Your needs and your constant coming to me in times of need is not a trouble to the Lord. 
And so I'm going to keep knocking as a Christian, as a child of God whose eyes have been opened and born of the Spirit of God, far from perfect, but I do belong to him. I'm going to keep knocking until he opens that door. I'm going to keep calling for him to come until he comes into my house to heal my daughter, so to speak. I'm going to keep knocking until he comes. I'm going to, I'm going to knock until I get in there with the Lord and receive from him what I need from him. It's not a bother to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Men, you, me, come into the Lord. And it seems like we're constantly coming, right, in, in need. We have needs. And constantly coming to the Lord, the Bible will record an account and account and account after the go- in the Gospels that Jesus, it was not a bother to him. It was, it's supernatural, that kind of love and patience and long-suffering. And it's, it's supernatural, but it's, it's of Christ. It's the Lord. And it's not a bother to him. And you are not a bother to the Lord. It's not a trouble for the Lord to come help you. He's not put off by it. He's not bothered by it. It's not a trouble. Men continually beseech in the Lord. It's not an inconvenience to the Lord. You ever been inconvenienced? Oh, that, that's got to be one of my biggest weaknesses as a human being, as a Christian. That some, some, something gets in my schedule and throws me off. Oh, my goodness. I, I, had to, I have all these things to get done today, and look what just fell in my lap. I'll never get all this stuff done today. It's a, it's a bother if I let it be a bother. It's a bother. It's an inconvenience. Jesus was never inconvenienced one time in his life. He said, I'll only do the things I see my father doing, and I'll only say the things I hear my father saying. What a peace, amen, to be plugged in, bam, right there in the absolute perfect will of the father. Therefore, if he's in the will of the Father, nothing is a bother to him. It's not a disruption to his schedule. The only schedule he has is what the Father has for him. It's not an inconvenience to the Lord's schedule. It's not a distraction from his day. It's not a disruption to all the other things he was going to do. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. He's the eternal Son of God. He was God before he came to this earth. He was God in the human body. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Bible says in, in Hebrews that who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. That's Jesus Christ. He was God in the flesh and our God is a God of love. And our God, when you just read the Gospels and you don't need anybody to make a commentary on it. Just read it. He was moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. He came for one primary re- reason that overrode all the others. But he came to seek and save the lost. Men that were dying and going to hell. Because that's eternal. That's of eternal value. To reconcile sinful men unto himself. That where he is there we, we may be also. With the Lord. Forgiven and cleansed and born of his spirit. But he went about the Bible says doing good. He went about doing good. He came to, uh, to show his goodness. And that he was a God of love. By the miracles that he did. Those miracles testified to who he was. The things he said, the miracles that he did, the Holy Ghost, the prophets, all bore witness to Christ. And these miracles of doing good showed that he's a good God. He wanted men to come to him. He came to minister and serve, so it's not a trouble to him. 
to go to Jairus' house and raise his daughter. It's not a bother. That's why he came. He came to seek and save the lost. Ultimately, that for the men's salvation, that you and I would be born again, that the Jairus and the people in his day would be born again. But he came to do good, that men would come to the point to know, like Peter, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Lord, to whom else will we go? We're staying with you. He wanted to bring people to that point that we would give our lives to him. And you know what? Some of the people, we know it. History records it. We know it in our own day. They're a beneficiary of a miracle of God. And yet they never serve the Lord. They never come to know him. They never give their lives to him. All don't. And yet he still went about doing good, right? He did good for all. He hung and bled in the and that blood was shed for all. He paid the penalty for the sins of all. He was the Lamb of God to save all the world, and all would not be saved, and all that he healed weren't going to say, Jesus, save me, forgive me of my sins. I believe you're the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Some would. That still doesn't change the point of what we're talking about this morning, that men, women, anybody that's honestly and sincerely in need and is beseeching God in their time of trouble is not a trouble to the Lord. That word trouble, I looked it up. It has one word definition. It's actually not used a whole lot of times in scripture. Why troublest thou the master any further? It means to, to harass. You ever harass somebody? You ever been harassed? Okay. Uh, why harass the master any further? He's got so much to do. It's just it's pointless at this point. Jairus, I hate to say it, your daughter's dead. Let's move on and let's let Jesus move on. You're harassing him. Don't harass him anymore. And yet it's not a harassment to the Lord to do good. I want to read this from Mark. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, this is Jairus' daughter, People were mourning already at her death. It was like the wake had already begun. They were wailing because the 12-year-old girl had died outside of the house. And, and, and Jesus says, don't, don't make such a, a fuss. She's only sleeping. They, they laughed him to scorn, the Bible says. They, they said, don't you think we know death when we see it? Well, they knew death, but he's the life. Amen. And he put them all out. He put all the naysayers out and he put the doubters out and he took Peter, James, and John and he went in there and he said to the girl, took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is being interpreted damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked. That's why we trouble the master. That's why you trouble the master. His daughter was raised again to life and given back to him and his wife because they trouble the master. It's not a bother to the Lord. Number one, he has the power to heal and the desire to heal. He's a God of love. Number two, it's not a bother to him. He's not bothered by it because it glorifies God and he desires to glorify his father through these works. Amen. Us beseeching the Lord. There's, an, there's an, uh, another account given we're not going to read it for time's sake in mark where there was a, a greek woman the bible says she's a syrophoenician by name greek woman so she's a gentile and we know that jesus came first and there's an order god's a god of order came first to the jews and right on the heels of that 
he, he came in the gospel is brought to the Gentiles. But first and foremost, like again, God's order, it's his plan that, that, that salvation be brought first to the Jews. Because Jesus Christ is the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's God's plan. So uh, this woman's a Greek, and she sees all the miracles that the Lord's doing. And she says, I got a daughter at home with an unclean spirit. Unclean spirit. Would you please heal her? And Jesus says, it's, it's not meat to take the, the children's food and give it to dogs. Let the children eat first. It was almost like an insult, right? You and me, we'd have had our feelings hurt and probably run away and cried. It's really what he's saying. He said, no, look, it's not, it's not proper to take this gospel and this, this whole message of salvation and the, to, to give it to dogs. Gentiles is what he's saying. Let it first be given. The children have to eat first. And she says, true, Lord. I love this. He said, but the dogs eat the crumbs that fall to the floor. That's, that's one thing it is, is faith. We know that for sure. And then we see the compassion of the Lord. Maybe it was just a test. The Lord's not trying to insult her. Maybe it was a test. Is she going to keep harassing, so to speak? Is he going to keep troubling yeah, Lord, I, I agree. I understand that. But the dogs, we get to eat the scraps that fall from the table. He says, for this saying, your daughter is going to be healed. And by the time she got home, the unclean spirit was gone out of her daughter. Why well, trouble thou the master any further? Because he's a good God. And because he's powerful. And because he's going to come through sooner or later. It'll be in his perfect time. And he's going to come through. And it's going to be for her, his glory, not yours. And because it's not a bother to the Lord. I know you know the account. Blind Bartimaeus says when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth, that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he heard the crowd and they're all in a turmoil. He's blind. He can't see what's going on. He's like, what's going on? That's Jesus walking by. Well, he had heard of Jesus. He began to cry out. Cry out. Not under his breath. Like, oh, Lord, I pray he comes over here. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. Shh. Quiet. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. <laughs> and they called the blind man saying, be of good cheer, rise. Be of good comfort, rise. He calleth thee. The Lord called him. They also healed him. Two things again. The Lord has the power to heal. So you keep calling upon the Lord. And it's not a bother to Jesus. Others were saying, shh, hold it down. It's out of order. You're disrupting. Disturbing the peace. You're disrupting here. But he cried all the more, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. Nobody was going to stop that man from getting to the Lord. Nobody would have stopped the woman with the issue of blood from pressing through. She was probably weak and frail, and she pushed through a crowd to get to Jesus to touch his garment. I would say this. Don't heed the counsel. The Bible would say this, not in so many words, but don't heed the advice or counsel of any voice in your life that would tell you don't trouble the master any further. It could be the devil it could be your own flesh. You know, we have our own flesh. 
It likes to chime in usually on the devil's side and say, right, you're right, I've been such a bother to the Lord. Keep coming to him with the same thing. Don't heed the advice of any influence or voice in your life that would say, don't trouble the master anymore. Don't listen to that voice. The woman pushed through and was touched the Lord and, and was healed. Jairus' daughter, daughter was raised from the dead. Bartimaeus received his sight, and we could go on and on and on. Now, I want to give an example here. The Lord gives it. You don't need to necessarily turn there. I'm going to give you the, the, the context. In, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus, it says, And Jesus spoke this parable unto the end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Luke 18, 1. You know the parable? There's a parable about the woman who was a widow woman, and she went to the unjust judge that didn't fear God or regard men. So we're, he's not at all like the Lord. He's just a person in a place of authority. Didn't fear God and did not regard people. Didn't care for people. Not like Jesus, okay? And, and the example is given because he's not like the Lord. And the woman goes to someone who's not like the Lord and says, avenge me of my adversary. I need you to judge and do something for me on my behalf, this widow woman. And the Lord says, uh, and, and he, the man said, the judge said to himself, this woman is going to weary me. I can read the handwriting on the wall. She is going to flat out wear me out. I'm going to give her what she wants. I'm going to give her what she wants now because I don't have time to deal with this. I'm just going to give her what she wants. And he did. And the Lord says, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect, though they cry unto, they cry unto him day and night, though he bear long with them? I say, yea, he will avenge them speedily. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. So there's an unjust judge who gave the woman what she wanted for selfish reasons. She's going to wear, she, was, she was a bother to him. She was a trouble and a harassment or would have been to him. But how, if that's an unjust judge, how much more will a just judge? The king of all the earth, the, the judge of all the earth. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Amen. Yes, he's going to do right. He's going to do right. When, when Esther... In the Old Testament, talk about a time of need. That was a time of need, right? She came into the kingdom for such a time as that. And the Lord had Esther approach King Ahasuerus, the king of Persia, 127 provinces or whatever it was, and there all the Jews were going to be killed in one day, legally. We're going to kill every single one of them, men, women, and children, one day and take all their stuff. Sign, it's written. Here it is. Here's the law. And it had this specific day. The people were stunned. The people were in shock. They were like, they, they couldn't even think straight. And Mordecai says, you, you came to the kingdom for such a time as this, Esther. You go talk to the king. Well, he hasn't called for me. And if the king doesn't call for me, you know the rule that if you approach the king and you're not called, he can, if he chooses, uh, have you killed. He hasn't called for me. But she says, you pray for me and fast, and I'll do the same, and I'll go and approach the king. And what did the king do? The king held out the golden scepter. In other words, 
you're welcome here. I'm receiving you here. And that's what we receive from the Lord every time we go. Are you ever unwelcome with God? You might be filthy and gross, and so might, might I in sin at the moment. And we come say, oh, God, have mercy on me. We're still welcome, right? We're still welcome. We're not a bother. We're not harassing the Lord. He held out the golden scepter, and the whole nation was spared and delivered, and God turned it around. So it's one of the most amazing stories in the Bible to think that actually happened. Can you imagine a whole race of people wiped out in a day? In one day legally, and it being so turned around that not only were they spared, but those that had plotted for their destruction were killed. It's an ama- it was an amazing thing. That's the deliverance. I preached on that about our God being a deliverer and used that. The point is that the king held out the golden scepter. It wasn't a bother to him. She gave, he gave her the request that she desired. I'll tell you what does weary the Lord. We're talking about you're not a bother to God. I'm not a bother to God. People aren't a bother to the Lord coming in genuine need. There is something I do believe from the scriptures is a bother to God. It's when people continually come to him and have no desire, no intent to do what he tells them to do. They're just going to keep coming and wanting something from God, but they don't want God. They want, they want, they want, they want a financial blessing. They want this, but they have no intent, no, not the slightest intent to ever obey what the Lord tells them. Remember, he came to seek and save the lost. That's the main reason he came, that men would know him, that he's good, and that they're sinners, and that men would give their lives to the Lord. This does weary the Lord. We're going to read the scripture in a moment. There are people that won't believe him. Like the Israelites in the wilderness. He did good, he did good, he did good. He parted the sea. Manna came from heaven, water from a rock. Their shoes didn't wear out. Good, good, good. Miracles, 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 miracles over and over. And they refused to believe him. That's an evil heart of unbelief. I say it all the time. That's not poor so-and-so. They just can't believe. That's an evil heart of unbelief. They won't believe. Because he has shown himself to be God. And shown himself to be faithful. And you ought to believe it. You don't want to believe it. Because you don't want to follow him and serve him. That does weary the Lord. He's still good to people. And he answers the prayers of lost people all the time. And he answers the prayers of people that he knows are going to die lost and never come to him. But it does weary him when people come to him, let's say hypocritically, they call on the Lord and yet have no intention of obeying. They receive good from the Lord but have no gratefulness or thanksgiving in their heart or homage to the Lord, where they turn to the Lord and humble themselves before God and say, what a great God and Savior you are. I want to read this. If you want to turn with me, you can. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. Isaiah 1, 14. Your new moons, talking about what does weary God, your new moons and your appointed feasts. Well, the Lord is the one that appointed the feast. I've been reading through my Old Testament, and I'm reading right now where all, all the feasts and the specifics and the sacrifices, and this many times a year you do this, and uh, he's the one that ordained it. But the way they did it with their evil hearts of unbelief, no thankfulness to God, no desire for God, 
that wearied him. Look what he says. Your new moons and your appointed feast, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. These weren't pagan rituals. These were feasts that God had prescribed. I am weary to hear to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide my face from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do well. Seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. It was faithlessness. Faithlessness and no heart for God at all. That does weary God. doesn't mean he doesn't love people and if they return to him, he still wouldn't save them. But that continually coming to God for no intent at all to live for God to be saved or give your life to Christ, that does weary the Lord. There's a hypocrisy in it. He desires for us to come before him. Yes, we call upon the Lord like Jairus did in our time of need, and we have lots of times of need. But he wants us to come before him with a thankful heart. He wants us to come to, before him with faith in our hearts. He wants to come, us to come before him acknowledging that he's God. The reason that God answers our prayers is a reason behind it. He's not just a vending machine that pops out blessings. He's a God who is love. And he wants us to know him and walk with him above all. Even if I died blind or died, couldn't walk and crippled and died of leprosy, all those things the Lord could heal me of, if I died from it, he wants me to walk with him. He wants us to be one, like we talked about last week. One with him as he is one with the Father. He has a reason in answering our prayers. Yes, he's a good God. It comes out of his goodness and compassion. But he has a reason in raising our daughters from the dead and delivering unclean spirits from our children, opening blinded eyes and casting out devils and so forth, multiplying fish and loaves. He desires that men would call upon him. Like Moses. Moses saw the miracles, but he saw past the miracles. He saw the God, oh, you're a good God, to do such kind things for your people. Or you're a powerful God to part the Red Sea. It wasn't just a miracle. There's a God behind that miracle. And we don't come to the Lord with that, acknowledging that and and any desire to know this one or to know him more, I believe that does weary the Lord. Amen? But a lost man crying out sincerely to be saved, that's not a bother to God. He might have been lost for 99 years, and when he's 99 years old, he gives his life to Christ. I've seen it before. That doesn't weary the Lord. He comes to meet our needs. He has mercy upon us. He saves our lost loved ones. He saves us. He forgives us of our sins. Oftentimes the same sin we've committed 10,000 times before. And you're coming to God, what, for the same thing? Have you ever been there? You're coming to God for the exact same sin. And you start thinking, I really am harassing God. He's waiting there with open arms. He forgives us and cleanses us. But you know what also he says? is like the woman caught in adultery. Go and sin no more. There has to be some 
maturity and some growth, some benefit from these blessings that, that God gives us. I pray that the Lord would change my heart to where people and their genuine needs aren't a, aren't a bother to me. The Lord knows our weaknesses. The Bible says he knows what we have need of before we lift them up to him. The Bible says he knows our frame, that it's dust. So when we're coming to the Lord, he already knows. He, he, he already knows our weaknesses. He remembers our frame, David says. We're just dust. Like a father, father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. He just says, we think we're really something. We're not really something. He's something. We're dust. And the good God has shown compassion to us. He pitieth. That means the Lord pitieth. That means to show, have compassion, love, to show mercy. I'm going to bring this to a close. If you, if you and I were to walk in the, let's say the ICU, a, a children's uh, infant ICU in a hospital. You know when you walk in there, every one of those little babies is about as frail and weak as possible. They're doing good just to take another breath. They're just frail and weak. You would not expect anything impressive or mighty. You said, take care of yourself. You, you, you wouldn't about think that. You would have compassion and say, they're in such need. They're in such need. They're in con they need constant eyes upon them and constant care, right? And so the Lord knows that, that we have such a great need for, for him, and he's not put off by it. He's not bothered by it. He knows our great need for him. But I'm going to close with, with this thought. That as we grow in the Lord, he's not bothered by it. It's not a trouble to the Lord. But as we grow in the Lord, how many of you want to grow in the Lord? How many of you want to just stay where you are and be plateaued off for the next 25 years? I don't think anybody would say that, that they want that. In your heart of hearts, do you want to become more like Jesus? Do you want to grow? Do you want to have certain besetting sins that are besetting your life be in the rearview mirror and out of your life? Do you want to be more like Jesus? Do you want to have more compassion like the Lord? I do. God is working in me and you both to will and do of his good pleasure. He desires that end for my life. Okay? But we need, we need to come to the point in our constant coming to the Lord. It's almost sometimes every day is like a... a it's every day we wake up and it's like a fire truck or an ambulance. We've got to get, it's a crisis. It's an emergency that we've got to get through. And the Lord wants us, yes, we do have crises and emergencies, but it, we can't live that way, y'all. There has to be a time where, where we're, we have a rest in the Lord. There's a time where we grow in the Lord. There's a time where maybe some of the things that are happening, not always, some of the things that are happening in our lives are a result of our own sin, our own immaturity. And the Lord's saying, look, you're bringing this on yourself. I'm not saying that's always the case. I'm saying sometimes it could be the case. Here's, here's the point. Bartimaeus comes, calls upon him. The woman pushes through and touches him. People are, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 
Jairus came and besought him, right? Bartimaeus, the two blind men, people calling upon the Lord. I need this. I need this. I'm desperate. And the Lord was so kind and compassionate to help. There needs to come a point, I would say increasingly more in my own life and in your life, when I just come and sit before the Lord sometimes. He knows our needs already. He, has, he knows what we have need of before we lift it up. Do you want to come and just love the Lord? Do you want to come just sit before God here at this altar or in your prayer closet at home? Because that's what he desires. Yes, he knows your needs. He's the one to meet those needs. He wants you to call upon him. He's not put off by it. But do you also want to come and just take time with him? Because as we grow in the Lord, that ought to be more and more and more and more and more. I just, Lord, I don't have a bunch of needs today. Or, yeah, I've got needs, Lord, but you know what they are. I'm going to spend my time just with you. I'm going to spend my time communing with you, fellowship with you, calling upon you. I just believe that that ought to be more and more. He is the God that raises, raised Jairus' daughter. I, well, I have needs. I come to, and so do you. We come before the Lord with need. But do you come before the Lord? And do I come before the Lord to sit before him? Lord, 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 what I need today, I need you. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. I want you. Yeah, I pray for revival in our country. I pray for financial blessings. I pray for healings. I pray for this, that, and the other. Lord, I'm coming before you. That ought to be more and more. Do you agree with that? That's what God is after. That's the heart of the, of the Lord who does all those miracles, is that we would be grateful and thankful to the God who's answered those prayers for us and done those miracles. Don't stop coming to the Lord with your needs, but come to the Lord and sit before the Lord and worship the Lord and come before him for him. I don't always do this, but sometimes I do. The Lord will give me a prayer and I'll write it out. It's very rare. I'm closing this sermon. Indeed, you can come this morning. Lord Jesus, may we know your great love for us. May we know your heart and your goodness and your kindness, Father, to undeserving men. May we know that you do not consider us a bother. We're not troubling you when we come to you in need. Lord, help us to love and serve you and obey you in such a way that we're not wearying you. And give us such a heart of compassion for others that they're not wearying us or we don't consider them a bother. Lord, help us to believe you. Help us to love you. Help us to learn to come and commune with you and sit before you. Help us to be filled with faith and with thanksgiving. You know what the Lord's response to that is? I don't have to make it up. What is the Lord's response to such a prayer as that? Lord, come, come meet with me. Come, he say, I will. I will. I will. I want to. I desire to. I will. I'll do that. I'll heal you. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll come to you. And we come to him. And I just wondered this morning if we can come before the Lord. I'm not belittling your need or my need. I have great needs. I call upon the Lord daily. But our, we need to grow in Christ and go beyond just our needs. We need, have great need of him. Our greatest need is of Jesus. Our greatest need is to be more like our Savior who saved us. 
These altars are open. I encourage you to come.